This morning I want to talk to you about love, unity, and change. Love, unity, and change. And um, if you don't understand change by now, you don't know what century you are living in. Change is reality. Change is happening faster than we like. Just look how much problems there were with certain people because Jason and I decided to change the direction of the sanctuary. Look what that caused because um, people were forgetting 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we were reading. We weren't allowing ourselves to endure the change. Change is, however, how God transforms our lives. Change is what God did to you when you got saved. You were no longer the person you were. So change is a good, should be viewed as a good thing because it gets you out of your comfort zone, your, um, your position of, well, that's how we've always done it. Well, if it's always how we've always done it and it ain't working, why are we still doing it? Amen? So change has to happen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's read 1 through 6. Now you're going to say you, didn't, you used this as the text not long ago, but the Holy Spirit told me to use it again because we aren't getting it. Sometimes God has to repeat himself. I will wait. There's a reason why Paul said to wives, be silent in church. It had nothing to do with women being silent in church. This is when we're supposed to be paying attention to God. God is trying to speak to us, and if we're having private conversations, and I'll just, I'm an old school teacher. I'll just go to my bag of tricks, and I know what to do to get your attention. I am trying to think about the future of visitors coming in. God will not allow this church to grow until we change our behaviors. because we're not showing love to one another. And why should God let people come in here when all they see is fussing and fuming and disrespect? He will not bless us that way until we get lined up with him. Now I'm going to read the text and then I'm going to ask you a question. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, and with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Oh, Lord Jesus, help this reality of this word to get into our lives. 
Help us to shut out everything and focus on you this morning, Lord. Help us to allow you to change us by the renewing of our minds and lining up with what you want to do, Lord. And so we thank you, Lord. Let our love grow for one another and our love grow for you, Lord Jesus, and our love grow for those who are outside of the church, but especially to those who are in the church of God, Lord, so that we can see people saved and delivered and set free and healed, Lord Jesus. Help us to stop playing church and be the church. For Lord, this is one body and you are the head of it. And so, Lord, I thank you for your anointing I feel in this place today. And let these words come out lovingly, Lord, this morning. Even, even those that people are having a hard time with because they're spoken in truth, Lord Jesus. And Lord, love is speaking the truth from the word of God and not sugarcoating it so that we can have our minds renewed and live for you the way you would have us to live, Lord. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up higher. And I thank you for your anointing here this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to ask the question after reading that text again. Are you living for Jesus or for yourself? Are you living for Jesus or for yourself? Are you so self-centered you can't be Christ-centered? Is what I'm asking. Living for Jesus, you put others first. Living for yourself, you put yourself first. And it's all about you. Well, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, it's all about Jesus. It's about him being on the throne of our lives and not ourselves. And let me tell you something. God is in control, not you. So when things don't go your way, stop getting upset and fussing and fuming. Submit to the Lord, and he will bless you. Now remember, there's only a few ways to respond to the word of God. You can say, praise the Lord. You can say, ouch. Or you can say both. But this is the word of God that we're talking about here today. If you don't like the message, take it up with him. He's the one who gave it. I just want you to have a happy, strong life in Jesus. That you can be everything that God... There's some of you that God wants to use tremendously, but you keep getting yourself in the way. There's some of you that God wants to put an anointing on your life. But you don't let him because you get yourself in the way. How sad is that? We have such potential in this room. And some of you have such great potential in Jesus Christ. But you let yourself get in the way because you don't take it to the cross and give it to Jesus. Not my will, Jesus said, but yours be done. If Jesus could submit to the will of the Father, so can we. Does that make sense? Jesus commanded us that we love our neighbors as ourselves. That means we put others before ourselves. We get so upset about silly things. 
And we fly off the handle by them. God wants to... Let me go to my next point. We're being shaken. We're being shaken. Why? Because God tried to do it gently for months now, and we wouldn't wake up to the fact that we needed to change. So now he's shaking us. He says, wake up. That's what revival's all about. Wake up to him. I've told you, some of you have never seen a real revival in your life. You think you have because we've called meetings revivals. We bring somebody in and he, he speaks to us and we think, oh, what a great revival. We, that has no, no. Revival is when we wake up to the fact that Jesus needs to be the all in our life and we repent of our sins and we live for him. It's the truth. And some of us need revival. Some of us need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And that'll change everything. God wants us to align with His Word. Not our desires, but His desire for us. Think about that. We get so caught up with a, what, what, how everything we want. What are we going to do about this? What are we, did you ever take it to the Lord in prayer? We get so caught up about this, that, and the other thing, and we've never really prayed about it. We've never laid it at the feet of Jesus. We've never said, boss, what do you want? God's getting us ready for revival. And when revival comes, be ready for change. Because you won't be the same in Jesus' name. Oh my word. Jason said, oh, thank you Lord for showing up. (laughs) I want us to anticipate that he shows up every time we come through the doors. Why? Because where two or three are gathered together, he's there in their midst. It shouldn't be surprising to us that he shows up. Jason was trying to get us to wake up to the fact that he's here. So God's given us a focus as a church. We pray together, we learn together, and we go together. Let me put it a different way. We are a praying church. We are a teaching church. We are a great commission church. However, this year's been weird. I have been having pushback against all three of those. I mean, some of it's been darn right rebellion. We can't even have table time without having people get upset because we're supposed to be learning the Word of God. And poor Corey worked so hard to get things put together and then people act like, Yuck! And you feel like, why bother? But we're a praying church. We're a teaching church. That's just who we are. We've always been. And we're supposed to be a Great Commission church. When I had people get upset because I was asking you guys to invite people to church, and I just jokingly said, let's see who can do, invite the most people, and people got upset. 
like I said to him, the staff, how asinine is that? You'd rather see your friends go to hell than go up and invite somebody to come to church so they can hear about Jesus and get saved? Oh, get all upset because we ask you to invite people to come to church to know Jesus and to be obedient to Christ's command of saying, go and preach the gospel to every creature? We're, supposed to, we're getting mad at him, not me. You're getting mad at the Lord for giving you a command that you should invite people? You know, 98% of Christians in this nation don't tell anybody about Jesus Christ. 98%. And then we wonder why certain people are causing us problems in the government. We wonder why Jewish synagogues are being shot up. We, we should be like Karen. My word. She says, Karen, back here. I mean, she's just started telling her friends, come to church with me. And they did. Karen said that was easy. Karen says, I got friends. Look at this. I'm filling up my corner of the church. And I'm not even trying. I'm just being me. Isn't that awesome? Have some faith. Believe and love people. Love them with all of your heart. Well, just like you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How else do we love but tell them about our Savior? We're also going to emphasize as a church that we are a spirit-led church. So we're going to emphasize from now on the doctrine of the baptism in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. That's how the Bible teaches it. Day of Pentecost, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, and what did they do? They spoke in tongues. Years later, Philip is having a revival. Peter and John show up. They start laying hands on people. How do they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They start speaking in tongues. Many more years later, Paul is in Ephesus. He meets the brethren there, and he asks them, do you know about the baptism? They say, we know about John's baptism. Paul explains to them the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He lays hands on them. What happens? They get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they start speaking in other tongues. The other thing we're going to stress is the doctrine of healing. We got too many people who are sick. Jason got excited last week because he saw that and that the focus needs, he saw his focus as worship leader is to see people get healed. Healed. These are the areas Jesus told us as a church all the way back to the first century to focus on praying together, learning together, because he says, go make disciples. Going to together, oh, going and making those disciples. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high, he told them. And he told them from the very get-go, you go out and lay hands on, and in the name of my name, heal them of demon possession and sicknesses. 
These are just the areas that Jesus told us to focus on. I figured as if those were good enough for Jesus to tell the early church to focus on, that's where we should focus on as well. Let me tell you something, folks. It's going to take some unity. It's going to take some unity. And unity is not what we've been having. I don't like it when people get yelled at for nothing. Really. I don't like it. It gets tiresome. Jason don't like it. Judy don't like it. We're tired of people getting upset about things. You know me now. How many years have I been here now? 16? Long enough. You know I don't like dealing with confrontation and I don't like using the rod. And I really don't feel like I've been using I just feel the anointing in this place this morning. Brother Tim Dunn, who had to be in Montana, said to me, he says, Pastor, keep preaching prophetically. We need it. He had to go take care of business in Montana. He wishes he was here. He'll be back next week, I think. Sometime this week. But it's going to take unity. Where the unity of the Spirit is, that's where God can move. <coughs> think about that. Where the unity of the Spirit... It doesn't take much to hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. To grieve him. He doesn't dwell where there's disunity. He just doesn't. He won't move where there's disunity. Why do you think the apostles took so much time talking about unity in the church? How many times does Paul talk about it in the different books about unity? He had to straighten out. In 1 Corinthians was... He had to straighten out a dysfunctional church. They were so disunified. This one thought they were of Paul. This one thought they were of Peter. I mean, this one thought they were of Apollos. And then you had the super spiritual folks in that church. They thought they were of Jesus. And you'd think that'd be the one to be part of. But he was saying they weren't acting spiritual. Thank God they got their act together by 2 Corinthians and you see a whole different book written to them. We can do it. You know what happens is sometimes we've, we need to look at those churches in Revelation and say, hey, have we forgotten our first love? Do we think we're wealthy? Do we think we're all that? Oh, wait a second. We need to return to Jesus and start over in the beginning. So the church is called to walk in unity. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says again, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He goes on to say, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And let's look at the description on how to do this. 
with all lowliness, being humble, and gentleness, with long-suffering, being patient with one another, bearing with one another, even if the other person's acting like a knucklehead, bear with them anyway, show them some love that you were shown. Remember, we all acted like knuckleheads at one time, He says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Why is this? Why is unity important to Jesus? Because in Matthew 12, 25, Jesus says this, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to what? Desolation. That means destruction. In every city or house divided against itself will not stand. This is why the Lord is against not having unity. This is why unity is important to Jesus' church. Besides, there's only, according back to Ephesians, it says there's only one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. Unity is so important to our Savior. By the way, having unity helps us get through change. (laughs) My word, we can face it together. It was so much easier for, G- for Jason and I to work in unity to figure out the configuration of this room. It was. We kind of had ideas in our head we weren't sure of, and then all of a sudden we came upon this, and boom, it went together really swiftly. And then we sat back and said, wow, how we did it in unity. Can you imagine if we did it in disunity? This side would be facing that way, and this side would have been facing that way, and then we would all have something to complain about. But we came together and said, the first try we said, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't working. (laughs) It was all this side only. Wait a second, we, oh, wait a second, we change it a little bit. And we got, ooh, awesome. And boom, 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 it went. And actually, we got more seats up now than we did before. Because we took seats from over there and brought them over here. Jason is right. If we would just build a platform, then nobody would say anything. (laughs) Because the platform would be there. (laughs) Tiny can tell you. VBS has always changed. There's never a VBS that's the same. It changes all the time. Timey can tell you it was easier to do VBS in unity than when people wanted to have their own way. Hmm. Jason is what's what Jason is hoping for for this year's VBS is everybody united, takes care of their area, and we work together to see children's lives changed. But when we do it in love, it's easy to do it. 
And when we have unity, it's easy to do a little change. And anybody knows who's done VBS, change is a constant thing during VBS. My word, sometimes sets fall down. Sometimes people forget their lines. And we just go with the flow. And God works it. And we come back to where we were, even though we couldn't remember where we were going. But we always come back. And it works out awesome. You can't have unity without love. Let's turn over to 1 John 2. I hope you have your Bibles. I didn't put it up there. Just to save the person on the computer. I'll read it to you. 1 John 2, 8 through 11 says, And again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Oh boy, that's important to understand. Jesus is that true light. And that darkness you used to live in is going away from you. He who says he is in the light, uh uh-oh, and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. If John was here, he would say they're not even saved and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Jesus says you will know them because they love each other. So if we're loving each other, you can't be yelling and fussing with each other. If you've been yelling and fussing with each other, it means you've got to go to the cross and ask the Lord to help you love. Give it to the Lord. I already said it, if you hate your brother, your sister, you're not saved. Because love always goes hand in hand with unity. Can I tell you something about the Lord? And why we can't run away? Sometimes we run away or we tune out during a message that the Lord is trying to tell us. They did it to Jesus too. Because sometimes Jesus hits us square in the eye, right between the eyes, doesn't he? To get our attention. But if we stick with him, we find out where he wants us to go. My word, old Peter says something to Jesus, and Jesus turns around and looks at him and says, Get behind me, Satan. Now this is one of his best friends. This is one of the men of his inner circle. Did you see Peter run off? Then Peter goes ahead and denies the Jesus warns him, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, no, 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 I'll go to the, I'll die with you tonight. And what happens before the night was over with? He denied the Lord three times. But Peter stuck with him. And then Jesus goes ahead, Peter, do you love me? See, Peter stuck with him till the end. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. 
And who is the one who gave the first sermon? The one Jesus rebuked and the one who denied Jesus and the one whom Jesus also showed love by forgiving him and said, feed my sheep. And yeah, he said it to him three times. You know why he said it to him three times, Peter, do you love me? Because it was three times that Peter denied him. He just wanted to go ahead and show Peter it's all over with. You might have denied me three times, but you got done telling me you loved me three times. And you told me you loved me in three different ways. Let's look at 1 John 4, 7 through 11. This is where I want to close. Beloved, this is one of, this was Bodhi's memory verse, just verse 7 this week. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, If you weren't in adult Sunday school <coughs> and you live in Jason's house, <laughs> especially this will be really easy. Ask Jason to teach you his lesson today on love. It was awesome. He had so much written in the, on the board and he had to switch to a red marker and I don't think the red marker would be a mistake because red that signifies the blood of Christ and who showed us the love but the love of Christ. Look at that description in 1 Corinthians about what love is and what love isn't. Robin taught a lesson. And if you weren't there for her lesson because you were sick, and there was a few of you who were sick the other day, she taught a lesson on respect. Her lesson title was Respect Others, No Matter Who They Are. Huh. Wait a second. This message has been being built upon by the Lord and he wants to shake us so that we can have revival and we can reach this lost city. Do you not agree there's, there's people who don't know Jesus in our community and some of them even go to church? And if Jesus would come today and rapture his church out of here, a lot of them would be left below? While we go swooping through the air? Oh, folks, let's love one another. <laughs> he says, if my people who are called by my name would what? Humble themselves. Take yourself off the throne. Let Jesus sit on it. Humble yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from being self-centered to Christ-centered. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal 
your land. The formula for revival has never changed in thousands of years. It has always been that. God is shaking us. Why? Because he loves us. And he wants us to be everything that he has called us to be. And I'm excited about it. Because there's some of you, and I see what God sees in you. And I want you to be what God has called you to be. It's exciting. It is awesome. And it's because He loves you. Oh, love, unity, and change. Are we up for this challenge? Are we up for the challenge of what that means? Are we up to the challenge of truly loving one another? Are we up to the challenge of truly loving Jesus so much that it becomes more about him than ourselves? I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you're up for the challenge and you want to see revival come to this church, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Stand right now. You want to see revival come to this church, stand right now. Hell loves the Lord so much, it usually takes him three times the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and then he bounces to his feet. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it, Hell? I'm going to ask you one more thing to act on your faith. I want you to walk right up here right now. I know for some of you this is a challenge. And it means a lot. Just come to the front. Right now. You're up for the challenge. Come to the front right now. This is acting on our faith. Come to the altar right now. <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I didn't even tell Karen to put something on. This is more of an act of faith coming before the Lord and saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Have your way. That's why I asked you to come to the front row. Let us pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we accept your challenge to be united, to love one another, to allow you to change our lives. Allow you to change our church. So we can be everything you have called us to be. We take ourselves off of the throne of our lives. And we invite you, Jesus, to sit on the throne. And truly be, and truly be the King of Kings, the, King of kings, the, Lord, of the Lord of Lords, 
the Lord of Lords in my life. I surrender to you, Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, renew our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And amen. Now you can, be sit, you can just sit down wherever you can find a place, sir. There is something there is something to act on faith. There is something when you act on faith and you're obedient to the call of God in your life. Some of you that was hard to do. Ask, right hell? <laughs> Some of you, it was hard to do to move from where you were at to come down front. But that's because you want what God wants. And that's so awesome. And so we have to, when you got saved, you had to do something. And sometimes as a church, we have to show God we mean it. Jason and I were talking about it. We don't want to come across as thick-necked. Stiff-necked. There you go. Stiff-necked.